Ringer NBA show. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, a.k.a. Kevin O'Concert, a.k.a. Kevin O'Comment, a.k.a. Kevin O'Climber. Kevin! <laughs> Verno, what's going on, man? What a fun night. Unbelievably, for the fourth consecutive year, we are going to see the Warriors and the Cavs, and those that scoff at the NBA and say, ah, we already know the way it's going to end up. It's going to be the Warriors versus the Cavs. <laughs> Unfortunately, they remain correct. At least it took two game sevens for us to get to the uh, Warriors and the Cavs. Someone tweeted me right before we got on, Chris. They said, Cavs Warriors 4 is going to be direct to DVD trash. <laughs> and, that, and, and, that, and that's what it could be. It really could be because Golden State's just on another level than Cleveland is. We will we'll end- see. You never know. Yeah, oh, no, we'll, oh, obviously we'll end up talking about that at the end. Uh, first, we got to get through tonight's game, which was for the first half of that game. I really thought, boy, the Warriors are screwing around here. They're doing the whole, we'll turn it on when we want to turn it on. And this is a dangerous game to play, especially in a game seven. But, you know, tricks on me, right? Because they they got out hustled. They got out muscled. Um, you know, that end of the, you know, there were everything about that first half was told in the last four and a half seconds where Eric Gordon just straight line drived all the way to the basket and uh, unimpeded and, and makes a layup as they go to halftime. And then everybody in the free world is saying, watch out. Here comes the third quarter Warriors. And sure enough, that third quarter, unfortunately for the Rockets, told the story as they got outscored 33 to 15. Absolutely. And on the other end of it, Houston never got going on the offensive end of the floor at all for the entire game. Seven of 44 from three, 15.9%. They didn't shoot worse than 20% once this entire season, Chris. So for Houston, it's like, yeah, they had the effort in the first half, which, you know, it's not like their effort faded away in the second half, but they never got going on offense like Golden State did. They were tremendous on both ends of the floor, whereas with Houston, Shot. They just had their worst night of the season shooting the ball. Well, and listen, it's game seven. It's nerves. It's tired legs. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why definitely that could be tired legs. Yeah. That's that's one thing for sure. I mean, there's a there's a lot of reasons. Listen, oh, oh, and there is nobody to calm you down and say, hey, cut this crap out. I mean, I you know I tweeted out in the middle of that third quarter. This is where losing Paul is so crucial because. You know, Harden's not that dogmatic personality. He's not settling anybody down. He's part of the problem. And I thought you saw it with the Celtics last night, actually. Um, you know, Horford would be the the veteran guy, but he's not a he's not like your uh your vocal leader, let's just say. And and he's also doesn't have the ball every time he comes down, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> Unfortunately, Terry Rozier had the ball every time. Oh, jeez. Right? You, you see that ch- possession with Rozier, dribbled the ball up, then brought it under the rim, and then dribbled to the corner three and turned right. around and pulled it off the dribble. Just awful. Right. Awful right. play. Well, and this, maybe worse than Trevor Ariza tonight. <laughs> and this and this is the moment after a couple of empty possessions where Chris Paul settles you down and gets you into a pick and roll. It gets you into something, right? Throws a lob to Capella, whatever it may be. You just got to, you've got to stop the wave. But because once it, you, you got to at least get to the free throw line. But uh, like, not only, not only did they get, did they get hit by the wave, they 
They could not stop it. And that has been the story with the Warriors. I mean, that is, I've talked time and time again about it's almost impossible to beat them, especially four out of seven games. But if you have a chance, that's the way. And instead, the Rockets, I thought, just totally played into it by continuing to take the long threes, which they're not making, which, as you tweeted out, are leading to long rebounds. And now you're in scramble mode and you're not able to set up your defense and you're just getting bombed out. I mean, it was just, I don't know. You know, uh, I was thinking about this tonight while I was watching the game, Chris. You know, we've talked about it before, <clears throat> how Houston, they trust the math, right? We, we've discussed that before and it's worked in their favor for a lot over the course of the season. And tonight they did that. They just as easily could have gotten hot at the end of that game and turn, flip the script and won it. They could have. Like they could have gotten hot. That just didn't happen tonight. And I was just thinking to myself tonight, it would have been nice to have a, a, another another type of option to turn to, a more diverse op- offense where maybe you post Harden when shots aren't falling just to give a different wrinkle, a different look. And that would completely deviate from their system, which has been unbelievable the entire year. But to have the extra look, maybe it would have been nice for a night like this when the shots, like like you said, just were not falling from anybody. And fatigue was clearly a factor for Harden off the dribble, especially with that step back, which has been lethal for him this season. He can't hit that with tired legs. And everybody else, with Trevor Ariza, it's just unexplainable. But nobody was hitting shots on that team. And it would have been nice maybe to have something a little bit different to turn to. Well, the other thing is this, Kevin. This has been the overwhelming criticism of of this style of play, right? That there there's a randomness that occurs with it. Um and beyond that, it's that when when it comes down to you having to adjust and move to something like if if they're not falling, like and I get it, right? Well, if the threes would have fallen, but that's it's not just tonight. They only got held to under five or to under a hundred points, I think ten times the entire season. The Warriors just held them to under a hundred five times. So it's not just tonight, throughout this entire series. Now their defense was so good. And Houston, I will freely admit, I did not expect that they would have the defensive prowess or the ability to smash Golden State on the boards as they did in the first half of this game tonight in order to stick around with them. But, I mean, th- th- we, we can say, like, that's been the criticism of, of D'Antoni, and that's been the criticism of this style, is that when it gets to the highest level, that it can fail you, and you can't just put up 100 every night like you do throughout the regular season when somebody's seeing you, you know, on a Tuesday night in Orlando or whatever on a second half of a back-to-back. I mean, and, and it's impressive that they did it 72 times. But, I mean, I think it stands to reason if they got held to under 100 five different times, it didn't work the same way. That That's true, Chris. But then again, and you could also say Chris Paul missed game six and game seven, and they still really pushed Golden State totally healthy aside from Andre Iguodala. Right. So you could say that maybe having Chris Paul would be a completely different story where Harden doesn't have as much on his plate, where they do have that stabilizing force. Because not having CP3 cannot go overlooked here. Their system still put them in a game seven 
against the team that everybody says has said ever since July 4th, 2016 is the inevitable NBA champion, their system still put them in the spot. So despite the criticisms that I had that you have, it still got them right here, right? This is where you wanted to be. There's no doubt this is exactly where you wanted to be, and they forced the seventh game, and they lost Chris Paul, and we'll never know, right, what would have happened if Chris Paul was in the lineup. And I don't think the Iguodala thing could just be brushed over. Now, they have more stars, for sure, but Iguodala has been essential to their success over the course of the last couple of years, and that was a big loss for them. Like, he impacts them a great deal, and in fact impacts them a massive deal as we put an eye forward towards the NBA finals because he is clearly the best option to throw out there against LeBron James um, if LeBron is able to do the impossible, right? Um, which, who, who <laughs> you knows? Never, and, you and, never and, know. But I'm just saying, that the Iguodala thing is no small thing. And then what was weird is watching this game play out, listen, uh, my criticisms of Harden have been severe um and here we go it's a third quarter this is when you have to have the, your superstar show up and curry did and harden didn't it's as simple as that when it was time to when it was go time and you're sitting there with a lead on your home court in a game seven he did less than nothing i mean he was a negative in that third quarter where curry was just bombing him out of the building that happened yeah, you know, I think with with James Harden again, it's I do wonder how much of it is conditioning. He shot the ball poorly the entire series. Like, let's go game by game here. Five for nine in the first game, great. Then three for 15, two for six, three for 12, 0 for 11, four for 12, two for 13. That's all from three-point range. Just incredibly poor the entire series aside from game one. And you've hit on this in the past, Chris, where he's been the game, the game one superstar. And then after that, his numbers have declined. I wonder how much of this is due to the demand Mike Danny, Mike D'Antoni's system puts on the point guard with the ball handling duties and everything else that comes with it, attacking the rim, drawing fouls, stepping back, pulling out from three. There's so much physical and mental demand for that position where taking those threes that he, that he had just so successfully utilized over his career, especially under Dan Tony, how, how that falls off a cliff naturally when you're tired. And if you're Houston looking forward next season, you need to find a way to make sure that he's in peak condition when it comes to these games in late May. I don't think you can play him 36 minutes, 37 minutes per game over the course of the season. I think maybe you need to rest him quite a bit more during the year, and then in the playoffs you can finally unleash him And when he has fresher legs rather than incredibly tired ones as we've seen the last two playoffs with him. Yeah, I, just, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I buy the fatigue thing with him. I, it's gotta you, be. It's gotta be. Is it? Is it at least a factor, though? You think? I, you know what I mean? It's, I, not, I, it's not just a choke job. It, it's. It. He's not choking. He's kind of choking. He's kind of choking. He's kind of choking. You know. He's kind of choking. I mean, with the. I mean, listen. The game's in the balance. The guy's doing nothing. <laughs> okay. So. What do you so want me this, to say? This gets into the 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 mental toughness discussion, right? Where you have to have the mental toughness to fight through fatigue, right? You know, the most mentally tough players don't feel fatigue. They battle through it, hey, and gotta, they don't hey, let it diminish their skills. 
Well, uh, you got to you got to fight through the fatigue and uh, carry Marcus Morris into the third row, too. Yeah, like that's. Yeah. I mean, obviously, LeBron creates an unrealistic expectation. I, I saw. Know. I saw my I buddy. Know. I saw my buddy Ryan Rosillo post that today, and I was like, you know what? You got a point in there. But but here's the thing: the exploits of James Harden have been rather documented over several years. And if you're watching the game, I don't care. He ended up with 32 points. He took 29 shots to get it. He's two of 13. And when that game, when they needed him, they needed to stop the bleeding. He wasn't there. He wasn't there. Now, the other thing is this. Paul accentuated a bit of an issue in that they're short in terms of uh, bodies. Gordon is the one that theoretically should be coming off your bench and be able to run your second unit and give you some pop off that bench. Because I mean, they got three points off of their bench tonight. Three. And that included minutes from Ryan Anderson and Joe Johnson, who like never play. Ryan Anderson was awful. Awful. (laughs) I mean, oh my goodness. Like like he was worth experimenting with, I think, but eight minutes like was eight too long. Like the second he went in there, he was getting exploited. It was like, that's enough. Take him out of here. I can't, I can't look at this anymore. Boy, that I tell you this, what do you do with, I mean, is there anybody that would take that contract? Can you imagine that you paying oh. Ryan Anderson is going to cost you Clint Capella? Maybe. I mean, th- this is the this is the tough part. You know, everybody like, oh, LeBron go, goes to Houston. LeBron will go there. It's like, well, yeah, good luck, good luck dumping Ryan Anderson. Right? right, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to give him up, and then everything else. Like it would have to be a sign and trade with Cleveland. Not to get into this, but it would have to be a sign and trade with Cleveland. I would think where you're unloading Ryan Anderson and then other salaries, probably Eric Gordon. And then you have to give up your entire future. And then you also have to hope Cleveland is willing to do it Um, because they would need to sign off on it as well. And maybe, maybe they'd rather just let LeBron walk than take on Ryan Anderson. Yep. Uh, You know, they needed some surprising efforts tonight out of some guys clearly without Chris Paul and they got it, man, out of Capella because he he was nine to 10 from the field, 20 points, nine rebounds, um, you know, and he's fighting his heart out for sure in the first half of that game. And it was pretty involved in the offense outside of just his offensive rebounding. Um, thing was, what you don't expect is an absolute nothing from Ariza. I mean, 0 of 12, 0 of 9 from 3, 0 points is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, 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 it it only it like cancels out the good performances you got because you got your role you got a couple of your role guys to step up. Tucker got you fourteen. Capella got you twenty. And obviously, I think we're talking low end on Ariza. If he gets you ten, guess what? You lost by nine, right? He just gave you nothing. I mean, he gave you nothing tonight. A zero points, which is uh, I mean. In 42 minutes to get zero is pretty hard to pull off, honestly. And I, I'm a big Ariza fan, but this one's going to haunt him for a long time. Ooh, I mean, him and Terry Rozier and gonna gotta have a chat after their games. Oh, the so, Terry, I mean, the, 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 listen, the Terry Rozier turning into a pumpkin hurt my soul. It really. I was all in on. <laughs> I was in on scary Terry Kevin and I, until all, about, all the people like trade Kyrie, get Terry Rozier, trade Kyrie. Well, I tell no, you this: you better no, recon- no, no. Hey, you better reconsider your whole Marcus Smart. Uh, I'd rather have Terry than Marcus Smart. Thought no way, yeah. no Ash. way. 
fine. <laughs> no, you're you know, you're changing that. No, no. It, it, Terry Terry is has better bur- We're not going to get into that. <laughs> they're, they're, in a way, they shouldn't be compared. Marcus Smart is like a weird forward who happens to pass. Rozier is more of a traditional point guard. But anyway, Trevor Ariza, 0 for 12 tonight. It's disappointing because you know you have him as a three and D player, and he's out there to try and make life hard on Kevin Durant, right? Um, who scored thirty four points on twenty one shots for tonight with Arisa as one of his primary defenders, and he just shoots over guys no matter who's defending him. So you would hope he's at least just making things tough on KD, which he does. He's a good defender still, but zero for twelve from three, zero for nine from three. Worst shooting performance for him of the entire season, probably of his entire career. Um, just really, really sad if you're a Rockets fan because he's been so good all year for them. And what a sour ending. Yeah, that was rough for him for sure. And again, I mean, I talked to you about keeping the scores low. That was my opinion on the way you got to play this team. And that first half was perfect. They hold the Warriors to 43. They grabbed 26 rebounds in the first half to only 17 for the Warriors. They forced 10 turnovers. They end up with 51 field goal attempts to the Warriors, 40, and they go to the line more. Like, everything about it was perfect, and it was the game plan that the teams that have had success against the Warriors in the past have been able to pull off, whether it was Oklahoma City, San Antonio, Memphis, whoever has had an, uh, has been able to do it, and I'm like, geez, if they could, I mean, now, even the first four minutes of the third quarter, because that's where I was thinking they better watch out, they didn't they didn't that lead didn't evaporate really quickly. It was really that last eight minutes of that quarter. Cause I recall tweeting out at one point, they got to do this for 20 more minutes. And then they just fell apart where they're just chucking threes. And then they let the wave hit them. And that was all she wrote. But I mean, I still thought they were playing. I mean, I was, I, I would have been over the moon if I'm them with the way they had that game going until they just lost their mind, and we saw it with the Celtics last night. And we saw, I think that is, you know, it befell both teams these last two nights where it's like, I don't know. I mean, I think listen, I thought Brad Stevens should have done it. I thought Dan Tony should have done it. I get the whole process, I get the trust, the math, all this stuff. But, you know, take the ball to the friggin' hole, get in the bonus, and fracture this game. Because we're just missing every three and they're getting run outs and we have no chance in scramble mode defending them. And it was, you know, what what they go? What we see? I, I think you and I have watched 80. We've watched over 80 missed threes the last two nights. Oh, ugly, <laughs> ugly, but, 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 you know, it, it depends on the quality of the look. Like you, like you said, in that third quarter, they were taking some just horrific shots just chucking the ball up early in the clock when they when they would have been better served seeking out higher quality shots like with Boston Terry Rozier with a shot I mentioned earlier where he dribbled the ball up the court then into the corner and for some godforsaken reason jacked it up just a horrific shot and there are a couple other instances with Boston like that as well as it was with Houston but I do think Houston got a lot of quality looks as well. It's no, not like he just this, stopped taking this threes. Is, but, but this is what I super hated about it. The, the, the method of which they had built their lead and had been putting the Warriors down was by 
going uh, once they started jacking all those threes, it took the offensive rebounding out of play. And Capella and Tucker both were just shoving guys out of the way and getting the ball. I mean, hell, they had what? I think Tucker had eight offensive rebounds. He was just pushing KD out of the way and grabbing the ball. And and same thing goes with Capella. And so that was that's that made it even worse. Now, obviously, the energy level of the Warriors went up. But still, once you start taking all those long shots and they're all clanking off, you're taking that advantage away because you are, I mean, they were just out muscling the Warriors for the better part of whatever, 30 minutes of that game. And instead, you know, I mean, like you said, listen, there's no there, there there's no excuse for missing 37 threes. That's just that's outrageous. 37. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the way you play. That's the way you play. And even when it got to the fourth quarter, when it got, I I still thought when the going got tough, you saw this is going to be interesting too. If the Cavs can get them into this kind of game, they were just throwing it to KD and he was going to work isolation. That whole like fourth quarter, it seemed like, didn't it? Chris? Yeah, you you were kind of right in a way. So in the first half, 48% 48% of their shots came within eight feet of the rim. And in the second half, 41.5% of them did. So they well, took uh, and hold fewer on now. shots. With, you got to go back to the play-by-play because at least five of those are Eric Gordon layups at the end of the game. When the game's okay, so now you want me to take a take garbage <laughs> no, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, <laughs> you, know, you know that the thing was already decided by the time they went to the rim again. Fair, fair. But they, they, it's you could all if you're a Rockets fan, you're shouting in your car right now like they also weren't getting a whistle. Oh, like they weren't getting the whistle. You, if you're a Rockets fan, that's what you're shouting right now. I'm just saying. I'm just putting that out there. Did you think the officials played a major role in this game? And, and and for what it's worth, before garbage time, so I just put this with three minutes left. They still took 42 percent of their shots within eight feet of the rim in the second half. So it's still quite a lot. Did you think that the refs played a role in this game? A significant I mean, the, role. The, 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 the refs were certainly noticeable over the course of the game, yes. In whose favor? In Golden State? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't change. It, it didn't change the fact Houston shot 7 of 44 from 3. Oh. That's why they lost. But oh. it, was, it was noticeable at times. Oh. It was noticeable when Clay Thompson was on the bench by the time... Uh, the first <laughs> first yeah, quarter break. Uh, yeah, I, I know. I know. I mean, I, exactly. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I, I'm just saying they were noticeable. <laughs> You're really just not going to say which way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, what? In, in the second half, it was more noticeable <laughs> one way. In the first half, it was more noticeable the other way. You thought Houston got a bad whistle? No. Golden State got a better whistle. I thought. That's what I'm saying. No, aside, I'm saying- from, aside from Clay Thompson getting racking up three fouls early. I thought there were times in the second half where just Houston was able to get a, fall, a call. Well, there were certainly a couple of those. Uh, it, it, it's that, not why they, to be clear, it's not why they lost. Seven for 44 from three is why they lost. Yeah. Well, and, and obviously you saw the Harden stuff, right? Like the foul hunting, he just doesn't get the calls as much. And he should have got, there's at least two that he should have gotten. I even I admit that I I detest the foul hunting, but there's at least two that he probably should have gotten, like um, the three point the, the three point shot that he hit, and and it should have been a four point play like that one. 
that's one of the rip through. I know it's a shooting motion. That yeah. one was that one's at least close to me. I, there were a I don't, couple. I don't get that rule. I don't get it. And I also don't get the 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 kicking rule that like sometimes when the defender kicks his leg out, like in the in the last the the Boston Cleveland series, they called one against Marcus Morris when he clearly was not kicking his legs. They called an offensive foul. And then the next game, they called one on the defense when I thought Jalen Brown, I believe it was, clearly was kicking his leg out because apparently, according to Steve Javi, referee propagandist, said, oh, they made contact at the hip. It, <laughs> it, it's just a whack rule. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand it. It's like, to me, it's like the, it's basketball's version of the NFL catch rule, which is a much bigger issue. Well, of and, I'll say the, and, and I will but say this. I'll, I'll, say, I'll say the bad calls against Houston were much more noticeable ones. And and part of that's yeah. right. Part of that's the crowd going crazy, and you're getting the replays of them more. Uh, it seemed right, like uh, you didn't see Golden State going to the line all that much in the second half. It wasn't that was not a game that was decided at the free throw line. Um, but when they were going to the basket, like there's the one where Gordon. I mean, he got fouled by two guys. I mean, he got killed. <laughs> You know what I mean, and, and and he didn't get the call. And there were and there were others. There were there were some that were pretty egregious that they didn't get. But I honestly, I don't, I don't think Houston lost because of the officials. I thought they lost because in the third quarter they just lost their minds and allowed that wave to hit them, which you know is coming. And instead of slowing that thing down, they just kept jacking early threes, letting the long rebounds go, letting, and then Steph heated up, and then, and then Harden was the invisible man once again when you needed him most. Um, and so now it's Golden State versus. Oh, wait, wait, let me, let's, let's, before we wrap this one up, you think it's different if Paul plays? Obviously, it's different. The, uh, let me just ask you the real question: Do you think they win if Paul plays? Mm. I, I I I would lean yes. However, um, seven for forty four from three, I know. and a lot of a lot of those were open looks. I'm not sure much would change change if Paul were delivering those the the those shots, but maybe it would be different if he were the one taking them. Right? I well, I um, also don't think that though, could, I, I also difference. no, I also don't think those happen. Paul is the guy that goes and yells like. Slow down, stop! Right, he turns it into he's he will bang it into the ground a lot more. And if River Reese's missed every three, like I I don't think Chris is especially in a game seven. The guy's going, uh, just keep on shooting, just keep on shooting. Like he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Give me the ball, <laughs> right? I'm gonna go slow this thing down, run a pick and roll with Capella, and throw him a lob. And we're gonna get a bucket here because we got to stop this bleeding. And so I actually do think. That if now you never know the way it's going to play out. And so maybe you could argue they dicked around because they knew Paul wasn't in the game. But if they dicked around like they did tonight and Paul and Chris would have played, I absolutely think Houston could have beat them because that Warriors team played arrogant and it served them. I mean, what can you say? They end up winning the game by nine points, right? They did exactly what they probably thought they were going to do which was turn it on when it's time to turn it on. But I think they would have had a lot harder time. Uh, and I don't know if they would have been able to turn it on like that if Chris is in the game. 
because he was the one. You remember what he had played a pretty crappy the home game there in Houston, where he was pretty crappy in the first half, and then that second half it was just like we're not losing tonight. And he was pumping up Harden. Remember that? That was what was that game? Yeah, was that five? It might have been five. I believe so. Yes. Yeah, might have been five. It's, it, it's a shame we didn't get to see it. It really is. Yeah. It, oh, the it's, one it's, it was. It's it was just the a shame. One, yeah, it was the one that he got hurt. It was the one that he got hurt at the end. But I mean, he had really, you know, he put that team on his back and just said, "We're not losing tonight." And they could have used that boy. I think they could have caught him actually. And so now, uh, before we get into what the final sets up, what if Houston? Is this a one-year deal? Because obviously, you know, uh, roster's going to look a little different. Everybody everybody thinks there was a a wink-wink that went on with Chris Paul or else he wouldn't have gone there in the first place. And so how do you run it back? going to be just, tough. You just gotta, lose Capella? Tough. You just lose Capella? Yeah. I do. I do wonder what number they'd be willing to go to with Clint Capella. Um, I, I mean, the market is tough to gauge this summer. Obviously, all it takes is one team to give a hell a hell of a contract to a guy. Um, but I wonder what's the line Houston would be willing to c- cross with Capella, or would they be willing to just let him walk and go with a younger option, whether it's somebody they trade in for into the draft or that's signing a, a veteran free agent, or maybe uh, Joe Chi, uh, the, their Chinese big man prospect is, is maybe they secretly feel he'll be ready and willing to take on a bigger role. Maybe they don't think it's necessary to pay a big man that much money, but it's certainly going to be interesting this summer to see what happens, especially if LeBron were a guy that is interested in Houston. I'm not, I don't know how realistic that is on paper, but Daryl Morey is, is one of the best general managers at creating cap space. And I'm sure he'd figure out a way to make it happen. Um, but it's going to be an interesting summer for Houston. That's for sure. I think changes do need to be made. Really? Yeah. You think changes do need to be made? Little tweaks. Sure. Yeah. I think you can. I think we we just both kind of agreed that if Chris Paul's there, they could have won that game. Yeah, uh, but but that but you also have a situation here where Chris Paul's a free agent, Trevor Ariza's a free agent, Clint Capella's a free agent, Luke ba- Luke Bamamute is a free agent, Gerald Green's a free agent. Bunch of guys on this team are entering free agency, so. If they're all back, maybe yeah, you bring you, you run it back, but there's a chance one of them walks. So yeah, changes will have to happen. Yeah. Uh obviously that is boy, I better reason hopes that's not his last game in a Rockets uniform. You'd like to be able to get some level of redemption there. I know you've always been a big Capella fan. Do you think what are the chances Capella obviously you benefit by playing with Harden and Paul, right? But is he a guy that you think is capable of even more than what he did there? Or I, I, because I think it's fair to say, does he go the way of Serge Ibaka, right? Almost, I don't want to say never to be heard from again, but obviously <laughs> the, the opinion was much greater when he was playing with Russ and KD. I think we would admit that, right? People I had think, a very I, I, I high think opinion Ibaka, of Ibaka. He's just, 
far past his prime. No, no, no. But people had a very yeah. high opinion of Ibaka. And by the way, Ibaka should not be way past his prime. I don't understand why he would be. What is the guys? It's not like he's forty years old. I don't know. Oh. Hell, maybe, maybe, maybe he is. I don't, oh, is that a thing? Is that a thing? He's twenty-eight. Oh. He should. He should be in his prime. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> oh, great. I mean, he's going to, it should be, it, it, theoretically, you should be in your prime when you're 28. Or if you're LeBron, 35 or whatever the hell, <laughs> 33. No, um, no comment. <laughs> okay. Well, here's the thing with Capella. Do you think if somebody spends, what's, I mean, you think Capella gets like these uh, $20 million contracts that are being, that have been doled out? You think he gets what I mean, what's Ibaka get? He gets twelve twelve and a half. No, he gets more than that now. What was his new contract? Capella got a big contract this last year, right? That when they signed him to the extension in Toronto, which I I, I think he's uh twenty sure. twenty one, twenty, twenty one, something like that. I some or maybe twenty two, but the I think that might be his average annual twenty. Yeah, twenty. Yeah, it goes yeah. twenty, twenty one point six, twenty three point God, twenty three point two in nineteen twenty. Yuck! Oh, oh boy! <laughs> oh no! That's, it was a okay. Oh. oh no! But this is a good question. It was three years, sixty four. Would you give Capella three sixty four? If I'm a team that needs a younger center and has a a guy like Harden, like <clears throat> like a Devin Booker type, you know, then sure, I think so. Yeah. Hell no. 364 for a center? No. And if I like it. And I like Capella a lot. I like Capella a lot. If you're Phoenix, maybe. Don't you think you can find Clint Capella? You think he's that special that you can't find another like, you know what I mean? I'm 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 just saying Jordan Bell played in game seven. Right? Like you could probably find a real, I, I, you could probably find a guy that could finish a lot of uh, James Harden and, and Chris Paul and, lobs. And when I just when I say Phoenix, I mean like in a vacuum. They're going to take DeAndre Ayton with the number one pick in all likelihood. So you're pr- then you're not going to spend that money on a center. But I mean in a vacuum, that's the type of team that I would be talking about that would make some sense. But in the real world, I, I'm not sure which team out there makes sense. Maybe maybe if you're a team like Dallas, maybe um, mm. would you like your rim running centers out there? If you're able to create uh, cap space to make make an offer sheet, maybe a team like that makes some sense. Well, and obviously that would their defense was much much better, and especially as we said in the playoffs, Capella was a force of nature in the Utah series, and you know he's the back line of a defense that was. That was good this year. And so they that is a big replace. I mean, I don't want to pay him 20 million bucks, but I'm also aware that that may be the cost of doing business if you want to keep a guy like that. Um, and he greatly affects their defense. I mean, the way he would in a pick and roll league, I will say this. I mean, I don't it was, it was, there's many guys that get overpaid. At least he does totally essential things. Which is he can rebound, he can he can protect the rim, and most importantly, you can switch, you know, guards onto him. And like, I watched a whole series where Joe Ingles and Donovan Mitchell and everybody else on that Jazz team could not take him off the dribble. Which that's just like otherworldly stuff. If you've got a big that when they switch onto you, it's still a big problem. Um. 
But geez, I don't know. I don't know. 20 million bucks. It's going to be tough. It's, it's a tough choice either way because of how important to the team that he is. But also the fact that he's a, a center who at times against golden state, not other teams, but against golden state, um, Mm-hmm. You're better with him off the floor than you are with him on. It's a, it's a tough, tough riddle um, for Houston and every other team for that matter. Yeah, because um, it's really just because it's really just them too, right? You saw the series before against Utah where he's so useful because they've got a guy that plays close to the rim, and so he gets to stay close to the rim. But when Draymond is like playing at the top of the key half the time, he can pull you away from the basket, and so. I don't know. The Warriors, the Warriors, much like LeBron, like make us question everything. And the Warriors, you know, this is four straight years. And we sit there and go, well, if you're not good enough to beat the Warriors, or if you're not good to beat not to, uh you're not good enough to beat LeBron, you better change some stuff. Um, and so that's the position Houston's now in. What about Paul? What do you do with him? You give him a three year deal? Ideally, I think ideally it's going to be a three-year deal for him. He turned down the max. The five. He turned it down, right? Uh, well, I mean, he wanted the the five-year super max, um, and, and they were so going to give for, it to him. And that's scary. <laughs> the fact that he'd be thirty-eight years old and he's a guy that always seems to get hurt in the playoffs. That's scary. Like if you're Houston, you know that's going to be a bad deal by the end of it. You're you're paying for the first two three years essentially, um, and maybe that's worth it if you get a title out of it. But if you don't, those last two years are going to be scary. All right, and so now we look ahead, um, and in fact, we'll do that right after these words. Today's Ringer NBA show brought to you by Microsoft Teams. Microsoft Teams is your hub for teamwork and Office 365. With so much to look after, wouldn't it be great if there was just one place to look? Teams is that single workplace where you can work, share, and connect with the people in your work life. Teams brings together your chats, meetings, files, and apps all in one place. Take teamwork where you work with apps for mobile and desktop. So whether you're sprinting towards a deadline or sharing your next big idea, Teams can help you and your your team achieve even more. Me and Kevin O'Connor use teamwork every single week to create this very podcast. And the Houston Rockets and the Boston Celtics use teamwork to miss 5,000 threes. Microsoft Teams and Office 365. Visit office.com slash teams to learn more. The Ringer NBA show also brought to you by Sonos. Now I'm here to tell you guys, I am not a big tech guy, but I have Sonos. And Sonos has been absolutely unbelievable. So I've got the play base in my living room and it's under my big TV. So the TV and the movies and games and everything goes through it. And I've got it hooked into my Spotify. I've got it hooked into my Apple Music. And most importantly, I've got it hooked into all my podcasts. So if like Bill's podcast comes out or I'm listening to uh, the NFL show and GM Street or whatever, any of the Ringer podcasts that I listen to, any of the other podcasts I listen to, I've got it. And uh, the app on the phone is incredible because I can just click on which room I want it to play in or I can just pick all. And then if I'm doing something like this weekend, I was cleaning around the house. So I had the new Pusha T 
uh, playing in every room throughout the house. Uh, I love the thing. Absolutely love the thing. Sonos is offering the listeners of the Ringer NBA show 10% off one order of $2,500 or less for any product on Sonos.com. I promise you will love these speakers. This offer is available for a limited time only and cannot be combined with other discounts or promotions. Use the promo code the Ringer NBA 10 capital the Ringer NBA 10 at Sonos.com to receive this offer. All right, Kevin, you and I didn't really get to speak much on the Celtics game against the Cavaliers, but LeBron James um, was heroic. The Celtics were uh, a clank fest um, in that game. A lot of guys that had been very, very good for them, uh, not the least of which was Terry Rozier, the guy with the ball in his hands uh, an awful lot, um, were not nearly as good and in fact the antithesis of good uh in their biggest game of the season and we saw LeBron get there once again. I will tell you, I really thought the Celtics were going to win game 7. I did. I mean they were 10 and 0 at home so far in these playoffs and I thought it was just a collection of, you know, some a uh, some of all parts thing. I'm aware they don't have LeBron and you're going up against him in the game 7, but I thought you would, you know, he had like a 42 point triple double in one of the game in what one in like game two and they lost. Right. So I, I kind of thought we would get this monster game out of LeBron, which we did, and that the Cavs would lose because of the way their role players had played in Boston thus far. So I freely admit, I, I kind of thought Boston was going to win that game. Uh, but here we are once again with LeBron James in the finals. Oh, the other thing, by the way, is I am a believer that, you know, the defense will show up when it matters most. And frankly, what they give up last night, uh, they gave up 87. I mean, you have to win a game that you give up 87 points. You have to, you got to win that game. I mean, I, they had given up 89 on average in their home games. And they gave up less than that last night in a game seven. And still lost. And so I guess I was kind of right about the defense. But here's the thing. Uh, Cleveland's defense, which by all the metrics is abysmal or has been abysmal. Um, You know, they play a game seven and the other team scores 79. We can make all the excuses in the world and say that's just because they missed 100 threes. But that happened. And so, (laughs) you you know, yeah, I, I think, you know. With last night's game, Chris, it's nice that this young Celtics team without their two of their three best players and Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving went all the way to game seven against LeBron James, the greatest player of this generation and maybe the greatest ever um, when it's all said and done. It's really a remarkable story that this team did that. Um, but But it also doesn't change the fact that it was a significant missed opportunity for this team. Um, the difference between Boston's horrific shooting night, seven for 39, and Houston's tonight, seven for 44, is that Houston force fed the ball to their two best players, James Harden and Eric Gordon. Boston didn't. Mm-hmm. Jason, Jason Tatum was ready to take on that role, but instead, what happened was Terry Rozier just jacking up countless, countless bad three point shots early in the clock, poor contested mid range twos. 
What happened was Marcus Smart just having the freedom to launch shots at will, one for 10 from the floor. What happened was Jalen Brown, who had a horrific shooting night, just allowed to take tough, contested shots instead of feeding the ball and getting the hell out of the way from the best player on that team, and that's Jason Tatum. And that's where I think the missed opportunity was for that team. Maybe they still would have lost anyway. Maybe Cleveland would have doubled and put pressure on Tatum and he would have turned the ball over. But I think Tatum would have given that team a, a better chance down that stretch. And we didn't get an opportunity to see that. And great story for Boston this year. And their future is as bright as any team in the entire league. But they also missed a chance to go to the finals yeah. uh, in, in a night where Cleveland. Yes, they held in the 79, but that was largely because of Boston just ice cold from three. They missed some wide open looks that game, and I think they underutilized Tatum. It felt like it could have been and should have been a 40-point night for him. Well, and you, this is uh, – the thing they are alike in um, is that I do think that they're 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 missing that guy – you know, Tatum has to be that guy, but he's a rookie. He's just doing, he's going through all this for the first time. And so he's not going to, he's not going to be the, this is what we're doing or give me the damn ball. Right. Of course not. And that's, and that's exactly like you, a guy that can control the game. That's what superstars can do when it, when it, when, when push comes to shove and that's where Chris Paul was missed so badly in that Rockets when things started to uh, to fall apart in that third quarter. He didn't allow it to in their game five there, and I don't think he would have allowed it to happen tonight. And the Celtics, you know, th- it's the downside of the Brad Stevens empowerment, right? Um, and you know, I mean, I follow Brad Stevens to the abyss, but me as well. <laughs> But, but I mean, the, the downside to the empower, empowerment is Terry Rozier taking ten threes and and everybody oh. feeling like they can take any kind of shot because you know most teams have a guy that will like can stop stop it and say, "Hey, you dumbasses!" Like, no, right? Like, I, that's exactly what LeBron does. It's exactly what Chris Paul does. It's exactly what um, so many teams over the years have that guy. And with young teams, many times that guy has to be the coach. And and in the course of action, when everything's so stressful and you got all these nerves and everything else, they you just felt like how many of their threes could be transcribed as panic threes? It's just like this thing's slipping away. We need to take a three. And so they did. And it was just all out of sorts. And they're never able to calm down. Well, you know, when it comes to those panic threes, I referred to this play earlier, but Boston trailed by five with 90 seconds to go and Rozier dribbled the ball up the court. He penetrated the lane. He was closed off by Tristan Thompson. Then he dribbled it into the corner, the right corner, and he launched a three Mm -hmm. contested by Thompson with 15 seconds to go on the shot clock. And it was just a. Actually, I believe it was contested by Jeff Green, I want to say. But either way, just a just one of those weird shots that you're referring to, Chris, where it's like, get your offense going. Well, and the Tatum thing is, you know, this, this will be the last year that he does not feel like he can go to the huddle and say, give me the ball. I don't know. I disagree because Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward come back next year. Oh yeah. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. He'll still be the, he'll still be a young guy on that team. Yeah. I, I wasn't thinking ahead to, 
I don't know. Danny Ainge may coldly trade both of them away. <laughs> 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 what if Kyrie what if, what if, what if Gordon Hayward gets traded before he ever plays for the Celtics? You can never rule anything out with Danny Ainge, that's for sure, Chris. Um, yeah. But but it's going to be interesting to see what does happen with Boston having so many guys on that team who can score. Um, that's where like the Brad Stevens empowerment. We're talking about one of the downsides of it when. Terry Rozier and Marcus Morris and Marcus Smart are allowed to do whatever the hell they want. Well, next year, it'll be a little bit different when the five guys closing games is Al Horford, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kyrie Irving, and Gordon Hayward. Be a hell of a lot different next season when the options and the equal opportunity system are a lot stronger. And it'll be interesting to see what becomes of of Tatum because it appears he is... Listen, when when you do what he did in the most high leverage situations possible, he is very, very close to like big time stardom. Obviously. Listen, there's a lot of stars that don't come up as big as that kid did over and over again. So he is so close to stardom and what happens, right? I mean, he had this season where it was like, he started off like a house of fire. Then it kind of, then it slowed down a little bit. Um, But then by the playoffs, this kid was just out of his mind as, you know, the for many games, him, sometimes Brown, were like the leading shot takers. And so what happens development-wise with him? Because um, it certainly like, looked like he could be the man on a team, right? But you know Kyrie went there to be the man. So that's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out. I know, Kev, that you uh, you wanted to see that ball go to Jason Tatum more than Scary Terry down the stretch, and that seems totally logical. <laughs> Sca- I mean, Sca- look, you know, I've I've loved Jason. I love Jason Tatum pre-draft, man. I mean, it was nice to see him blossom into the star that that he's become as a young player, a young rising star. But there's still there's still more. There was more in last night's game. It's like with with Utah, I thought they really empowered Donovan Mitchell to be the man. He averaged 22 shots per game in the playoffs. Tatum averaged 13.7. And look, Tatum was on a better overall team with more options, options on the team. But I would have been nice in that game seven just to see him empowered to take 20 plus shots like Mitchell was for a large part of the playoffs for the, for the jazz. Yeah. Earlier in the episode, we talked about uh, what becomes, uh, we talked about what becomes of Houston. And now we pivot to not only this matchup between the Cavs and the Warriors, but then like what becomes based upon what takes place in it. Right. Um, you know, does does LeBron look at this now and go, why would I leave the East, right? Why, why would I leave the East? We'll figure it out. I'm still, I'm getting to the finals every single year. And look at this lot around me. And I'm still in the finals. So why am I going to go and try to, why am I going to try to go out West where everybody else is already? Um, and I know you always have supreme confidence in yourself, but if you're looking for uh, that opportunity to have a team that you can get to the finals and then whatever happens, happens. Um, I, I don't know. Where are you at on LeBron and Cleveland? I've always thought he was going to go somewhere else. But now after getting there again, do you think it matters 
how this series goes. Like if they get bombed out, then he'll for sure leave. Or if they play it close, he's more willing to stay. What do you think? It's not about getting to the finals. It's about winning it. So if if the best opportunity is in the West, then it's in the West. If the best opportunity is in the East, then it's in the East. It's about winning it, not just getting there. Mm, but you got to get there to win it. <laughs> Fair. And you, and you know you're always there. Fair. And, and Until you're not. You, you wouldn't be there if Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward are there for Boston. Right. I don't know. He probably thinks he right. was. He probably thinks he, he would. He probably, he probably does. You're right. He probably thinks he can win he can, on the Atlanta Hawks. Right. <laughs> I mean. And who are we that, to say he, hey, and who are we to say he couldn't? I would not rule it out. That's right. for damn sure. That would have been a funny exercise. What Eastern team could we put? <laughs> he couldn't do it with Brooklyn. I don't know. Well, well, that's that's the way I you'd look have, at you'd it. You'd have is. Russell. You'd have you'd have Damari Carroll. You'd have Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't know. I mean, when you look at the, if you took the rest of the Cavs roster, you just take LeBron out of it. Who are they better than? Yeah, I, mean, um, I, I do. I, I've done this exercise a couple times during the season. It's like if you either clone LeBron James and put him on all thirty teams. How do they rank? Or if no. you just uh, eliminate LeBron off the Cavs? <laughs> no, I'm just Cavs saying rank? the East. I'm just yeah. saying the East. I'm just saying the East. If you just put him on that team, do we think his supporting cast is worse with anybody else? Oof, it's hard. Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta Brooklyn doesn't. I mean, Kevin Atlanta. loves a good. Kevin loves a good player. Yeah, well, I wasn't counting him because he didn't play last night. Yeah, that's yeah, fair. That's fair. So, so like minus Kevin Love because minus, he wasn't. Available. Yeah, what he did, what he won Game Seven with last night. <laughs> Jeff Green, Tristan Thompson, George Hill, J.R. Smith, oh, Larry Nance, Jordan and let me Clark, address, and Kyle Korver. Oh. Let me let me address this because I got chirped <laughs> wow. about this because wow. I said earlier if LeBron James uh, won the title with the team with Jeff Green on it, then I would elevate him over Jordan. Let me just say, I said win the title, not get to the finals. The guy gets to the finals. He could, he could have four rags playing with him, and he'd get to the <laughs> finals. It's winning it. And they're obviously really up against it, against Golden State. Um, you know, you do have to wonder. This was a great story, uh, were the Celtics. They were also a team that's led by, like, rookies and second-year guys. And Toronto was a joke, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. Philadelphia was doing it for the first time. I mean, we knew this going in. It was because you know stars went west. And don't forget Indiana. But this is partly a function of the East. In fact, in large matter, a function. I'm not trying to take away from LeBron James' accomplishments. So let me just get the stands off of me before. But come on, the East sucked. And so, oh but, come on, it did. It was terrible. What? What are you talking Indiana, about? Indiana took him to seven games. They're a tough, gritty team. <laughs> All right. Now you're now you're messing with me. I mean, Toronto won 59 games, Kevin. I saw them. <laughs> I saw them in the playoffs. Their third best player, Serge Ibaka. Get out of my face. Here's what we know. They're in the they're and and by the way, Cleveland was a 50 win team this year. That's how many games they won this year. It's just a function of LeBron like continues to prove he can do it with anything. And I also think, you know, the, the, the teams that he went up against this year, 
were they were teams led by very young players. There's a lot of awesome young players uh, in the East, and unless you want to throw Toronto in there, because obviously they did beat Toronto. Um, but now they face Golden State, and I'll say this. Everybody in the free world thinks they're going to get trucked, right? Do you? You think they're going to get trucked? Yeah, four or five. Probably five. The only... I mean, I mean this is just an early, you know, yeah. prediction, by the way. No, I know. I mean, the th- only gotta, thing... Got to dive deep into it, but it's. I would think five. The only thing I could see is that the Warriors have this real propensity for screwing around. And so... Can they get them into this? Like you remember the old, the it's almost like the the team the year that uh, that uh, uh, they lost Kevin Love because of the Olenek thing, and they lost uh, Kyrie Irving to the blown out kneecap that year, and it was like LeBron and Delavadova and the rest of that group, and they just, I mean, he went absolutely supernova, and they just turned it into bonafide, bonafide caveman ball. I think that's what they, you know, that's what they're going to try to do. I just don't know if they can. Good luck. Well, and the Warriors, they have screwed around. You will admit, right? They've screwed around. They have been, and I just don't think the Cavs are the team that can make them pay for it. The Rockets were. The Rockets with Paul were. We've we've also seen what happens when Golden State stops screwing around. Like that yeah. could also happen in the finals where they just say, we're done screwing around. We're, we're going to go hard from start to finish now. I thought they were going to do that against Houston. They wanted to. I thought, th- I thought so too. You remember? And, and like they, they might, they, they might not have it in their identity to do that. But like, I'm like, I'm, I just mean that they could. Yeah. But I mean like that, that was the thing. It was like, Oh, everybody's talking up Houston. Everybody's going to talk about oh, talking up Houston. We're going to just bomb them out. And they didn't bomb them out. They won their they won game one and then they lost game two and they right and then even tonight sometimes it happens during the course of the series sometimes it happens during the course of the game and Houston was the one team that could honestly make them pay for it I just don't think Cleveland can but I, you know how I know this I saw earlier tonight one of these uh, gambling uh, uh, Twitter feeds that I follow said something like they were 0-7 against the spread in the first half. And you know they're like always favored, right? But that they're, they were like 0-7 against the spread and that like throughout these playoffs, they're like, it was some, I mean, I, I, I'm going to get the number wrong, but it was something crazy like 5-17-1 or something in the first half. And so that just tells you, like, they don't take the first half all that seriously. And Chris Paul's Rockets were the one team that actually made him pay for doing that. The other teams couldn't. But they were down at half. Um, they've been down at half a lot of times. And so I just, I don't know if Cleveland, I don't, I don't know if they got the firepower to be able to do it. They just have to, they, they would have to win these like, <laughs> I don't even know. Like, I guess... They have to hold them to 91 points and pray they could get to 92. Because I will say the Warriors' defense was super impressive. They just held the Rockets to under 100, what, five times? Mm. It's going to be a tough hill to climb for Cleveland, put it that way. It's going to be quite a challenge against this Golden State roster. Um, 
I mean, you think about some of the, the <laughs> Golden State has three better offensive players than than Boston has on their entire roster, <laughs> and Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, and Stephen Curry. Um, and even against Boston, there were moments where Cleveland had a hard time defending um, a rookie. A 21-year-old and Jalen Brown, Al Horford. Never mind when you're going against Kevin Durant, the, one of the greatest isolation scorers and greatest three-point scorers ever. Stephen Curry, one of the most unique, weird, weirdest three-point shooters in history. And then Clay Thompson, one of the greatest three-point shooters we've ever seen in the game. It's going to be a challenge for Cleveland. I mean, I would uh, listen. We'll obviously talk a lot about the NBA Finals. I would I'd start love with Tristan and I would just try to hammer the offensive glass and just try to get as many extra possessions as I can against them. And Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love would both have to have big, big rebounding series. That's like, you know, listen, I mean, I'm grasping at straws here. I'm just saying if you could play him, if you could drag that game totally into the mud and you can play the, if you miss it, we get the ball. If you miss it, we get the ball thing. Maybe. Maybe we could get some competitive games. If not, it will be a sixth finals loss for LeBron, and it'll be three out of four titles for the Warriors. And here I'd we say are. That's likely. Shocking, say Kevin. That's likely. Warriors, Cavs. Yeah. How shocking. <laughs> <laughs> number four. I was trying Let's to see. It. I was trying to see if there's a before we get out of here if there was a line that has already been posted for the game and I will or uh, for the series. I'm going to imagine that the that this is an insanely uh, prohibitive favorite. Uh, the first one. Yeah, I don't see it yet. I don't see the. Uh, all I see is game one. Oh Jesus! They've already posted game one, which is Thursday. Yep. Golden State minus 12. <laughs> okay. Oh, my. Oh. <laughs> they're going to be favored in every game, uh, aren't they? Oh, yes, they're going to be favored in every game. Minus wow. 12. <laughs> you got a double-digit yeah, friggin' final. <laughs> that, that was the wild thing about tonight's game. Golden State was favored by six and a half, I think it was, over Houston yep. on the yep. road against the a 65-win team with one of the best offenses and defenses in the game. That was a that was a I, that that line would have been I bet that line would have been closer to three if Paul was there. Paul was there. Golden State would have still been favored, but it would have been a tighter line for sure. I think I think Paul would probably be worth at least four. So I mean, it probably would have been a, pos, a possession line, and he should have been worth more than that. Honestly, after watching them go seven for a thousand from three. All right, Kevin, NBA finals are set. It's going to be starting by the next time we speak. We'll have already had a couple of finals games that we have digested. And here's hoping for some competition that you or I don't seem to be counting on all that much. Let's get a good series. Please, please, basketball gods, please. If not, if not we'll just start talking about the draft. <laughs> <laughs> hey man. Hey, hey, that's my favorite time of the year. Draft, free agency, summer league. Let's do it. All right, Kevin, I'll catch up with you next week. Thanks, brother. Have a good one, Chris. All right, man. That's going to do it for another Ringer NBA show. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes, and we will talk to you next week.